Hello and welcome to Early Childhood Ireland's podcast. Our podcast series features interviews and discussions on all issues relating to quality early learning and care, with a range of speakers who are leaders in the areas that matter to Early Childhood Ireland members. I'm Maura Corbett and I work with Early Childhood Ireland. And you're most welcome to season two. In this, the second episode of our series, reflecting on how we can care best for very young children, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Lillian Joyce, who will discuss getting the environment right. So welcome Lillian to this episode. Lillian is an early childhood specialist with Early Childhood Ireland. She's a Shielda mentor and a Marta Mayo colleague trainer. Lillian advocates for quality provision for under threes and has a particular interest in environments, both emotional and physical. Thank you for that introduction, Laura, and thanks very much for giving me this opportunity to speak to our members. Um, I heard Dr. Geraldine French's recent podcast about slow relational pedagogy for children under two, and I just feel that it's such a warm way of describing the nurturing, responsive approach that babies and young children need and deserve. And Dr. French did briefly mention the importance of the environment, both physical and emotional. And I thought it might be an, a nice idea just to explore that a little bit more in this short podcast. Yeah, and uh, environments play a huge role in supporting quality provision, and it's quite a big area, to put it mildly. Uh, where would you like to begin? Yeah, I, I do agree with Jamara that we, we can't really begin to address all aspects of the environment in such a short time, particularly through a podcast. Um, but I think it can provide an opportunity for reflection. Um, so firstly, uh, I'd just like to acknowledge the diversity of environments in which educators work in terms of size and layouts. Um, but I do think that even a small change can sometimes benefit babies and toddlers and the educators too. Um, and I'd also like to acknowledge the difficulties the current pandemic brings to practice. You know, trying to balance the health and safety of the children and educators still with the need to provide that intimate, responsive and nurturing environment that babies and toddlers need. So I think a good place to start is with how the educator experiences the environment. Like, ask yourself, how does it make you feel when you walk into the room? You know, is it aesthetically pleasing? Uh, does it send a message of respect to the adults and the children who spend a lot of time there? Is it nice and bright? Like, is there nice um, natural light combined with lamps, perhaps? Perhaps fairy lights and dimmed lighting where appropriate? You know, is it clean and airy and comfortable? I think that's that's a really important um, aspect or feature of the environment is that it's comfortable and that adults have proper size seating uh, to engage in that slow relational pedagogy that Dr. French spoke about. I think, too, like um, colours are important, you know, neutral colours on uncluttered walls. And um, I think that helps to create a calm atmosphere because I think overstimulating environments can impact negatively on adults as well as children. Um, and I think, you know, Maura, that it's always good for educators to actually sit down on the floor or even lie on the floor to have a look at what the environment looks like from the baby or toddler's perspective. 
you know, from their level, children may see something quite different from adults. And how does it look now when you look at it from there? What stands out? What's beautiful or inviting? What stimulates curiosity? What is there to explore that you can see from that angle? You know? Yeah, those messages around respect, the values that we have for children, uh, that it's comfortable for uh, children and adults to to use. They're so important and light and colour. And especially that bit about the child's perspective is so important because what can seem quite small to us, to a child uh, from their perspective, is extremely different. Um, Lily, what about the layout of the room? What what tips or suggestions have you around uh, room layout? What do we need to think about? Well, I suppose there's a, there's lots of things, but I suppose two things that maybe we could think about are uh, functionality and affordance. I suppose like babies and toddlers really require a lot of uh, care routines. And a lot of these r- routines are repeated during the day. So I think the space materials and equipment that support the educators to, to do this um, uh, in a calm, attentive and engaging manner, you know, that that, that needs to be in place. Um, so if these care routines are onerous or stressful due to a lack of appropriate space or equipment, you know, they'll also be stressful for the babies or toddlers. So it, it could be in relation to maybe nappy changing or feeding, uh, bottle feeding or sleep routines. Sometimes a pair of fresh eyes or a discussion with the colleagues is all that's needed um, to find simple solutions for these um, uh, difficulties. Um, like, for example, I remember in one setting, um, the toddlers used to cross a corridor and walk in through a preschool room to access the outdoor area, um, which was at the rear of the building. And as you can imagine, it was often disruptive and stressful for the educators. And, you know, there was actually a nearby exit door on the end of the corridor that led to the side of the building with a secure path into the back uh, play area. But they'd always gone through the other room and it never struck them that maybe they could use this side room you know or this side door so you know it doesn't always have to be major renovations or anything like that it's just looking for simple solutions to make things less stressful and make it flow more um seem seamless um i suppose uh when we consider affordance in the environment both indoors and outdoors we also need to consider hugely the stage of development that babies and toddlers are at. And of course, that's the sensory motor stage. So consider then how does your environment specifically support this stage of development? Is there enough space and suitable surfaces for lots of physical activity, like to lie for babies and toddlers to lie down, to turn over and crawl? Uh, Is there space and equipment for babies to pull themselves up to standing? to practice taking their first steps and space to use push along toys to support them to walk so that we're absolutely encouraging each stage of this development. Um, And when we consider that the world is not flat, like what opportunities, space and materials do toddlers have to develop their gross motor skills? 
like slides, tunnels, steps, ramps, little inclines, maybe hollows to climb in, to crawl out of, crawl through. Um, and I think also, in addition, this uh, space for critical physical activity, in addition to that, we probably need to find spaces where babies and toddlers can exercise choice, uh, where they can sit or lie comfortably and relax. Um, spaces where materials are accessible that provide sensory uh, stimulation, encourage construction and pretend play. Uh, we need to, I suppose, support emergent schema. Um, you know, the filling and emptying, the transporting, the enveloping. Have books accessible to children, mirrors for them to see themselves in. They love looking in mirrors. Um, photographs of their families, ones that they can actually touch and hold and take out down. And, you know, uh, these um, can generate conversations with them about that. And I think these these are some of the areas that really you could reflect on when you're reviewing the quality of the environment. Yeah, the um, the physical opportunity for children to challenge themselves as they're learning to walk things, to pull themselves up on, um, cruise along to the the side of um, they're they're really important, um, and a lot of that can be done. Inside and outside, you know, you, you mentioned the tunnels and, and so on, but, you know, COVID has made us all appreciate the outdoors even more than we did already. Um, and can you say a bit about providing for outdoor play um, and out, space and time outside for babies mm. and toddlers? Yeah, indeed, Maura. Um, and I know in the current uh, climate that, a lot of settings have recently developed, you know, covered areas outdoor, outdoors. And this gives babies and toddlers more opportunity to spend time outdoors. Um, now, I know there's the extra complication maybe of play pods. And um, but I think a lot of services would have cordoned off areas for, for babies and toddlers anyway. Um, but I think the space for babies and toddlers does need to have the same sort of defined outdoor areas. And I think that makes it more manageable, you know, that they'd have areas where with loose parts for construction, quieter areas with little dens, uh, winding pathways for the push and pull toy toys, the trikes and the buggies for the those um, transportation schemas. Um, and there's so many things actually that can engage the baby senses when outdoors, even just plants rustling leaves on trees, um, wind socks, you know, let's, anything that would show the wind in motion, windmills, and then some lovely plants. I love that one myself. That's like the rabbit's ears. It's a beautiful color. It's so soft to touch. And then you have herbs that might you know, they can smell when they when they touch them. All of these things, of course, and the sand and water. These are all, you know, great sensory materials to have for babies and toddlers. Um, and and the whole time bit comes in there too, having slowing it down to have the time to hear the wind rustling and the time to smell the herbs and the time to see the leaves blowing and, and so on. So slowing it down, not being in a rush all the time. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you because I think, like, when you think about the amount of care routines that babies and toddlers need during the day, it does leave, um, you know, short periods of time for children to engage in in other things. Um, and I, th- I feel sometimes that um, educators feel that they need to, to do lots more of that when in actual fact it's the opposite, you know, less and, you know, more attentive and more time for children because they're really exploring and curious and time for that is really important to your life, yeah. And that ties into the emotional bit, that slowing it down, having having the time. Um, and you mentioned emotional environment earlier and uh, Dr. Geraldine French did too. How can you make sure, what ideas do you have that um, would help us to make sure that an environment is emotionally secure and loving as well yeah. as physically nice to look at. Yeah, well, I often, you know, compare this sort of thing to, you know, when you're trying to book hotel accommodation, you know. Um, so, like, when when you walk into accommodation, are you walking into a five-star hotel or are you walking into budget accommodation? And it might be a five-star hotel, but it, that's not the end of it. What you want then is, you know, you want a nice atmosphere. You want staff who are friendly, who are attentive, who can help you with any, you know, questions that you have about the local area or amenities or whatever it is. So um, it's the atmosphere, I think, uh, really is what is very telling about um the emotional environment. So I know uh, Dr. French spoke about the importance of emotional attachment between the baby and the toddler and the key worker. Um, and we know that this emotional attachment, if it's missing, that the baby and toddler doesn't feel secure um, or confident uh, to take advantage of opportunities in, in the environment. So they're not going to be curious or um exploring because they don't feel secure so it's so so important i often hear people say um i only work in the baby room and you know i i i sometimes wonder do they understand how um essential they are to the baby's development because the babies develop so fast you know um in the first two years all of the development that happens and how essential um, their attentive support is to to the baby's emotional and social development because because once they feel comfortable and they have that attachment um with with the key worker uh, then they're they're ready for off to explore to their heart's content and 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 I know maybe at the moment it's 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 that is a challenging aspect because I I hear you know, lately that there's a lot of um, uh, maybe staff numbers are down because of the virus and all of this. But it's just so important that we we remember that we need consistent staff and staff still need to be hands on with babies, not to be afraid to, you know, be touching and be loving as we always um, have been, you know. Yeah, that, that you know that, that loving touch and 
um, um, the low voices there, you know, that's so important in, in the slowing it down. So Lillian, you've given us some really good ideas, but I know you have recommendations uh, for further listening or reading there. Yeah, I suppose I just wanted to remind people um, about the resources that are available on the Ashton Shield the, uh, Practice Guide website. I think the self-assessment tool on environments that's specific for under threes and the list of resources for play are really valuable. And just to say, too, that uh, Bernardo's have a webinar on environments. And I mean, if you were looking to do some CPD with the, with the um, staff at the minute, if people, you know, are um, not working at present, it might be a nice thing for everyone to watch it together and then have a discussion at start the conversation and reflection process. Yeah. Great, great. So Lillian, thanks a million for joining us today. You've shared some really lovely insights and uh, recommendations for further reflection um, about creating nurturing spaces. And as, as we ended on uh, the idea of children's emotional development in the next podcast in this series, we'll be looking at nurturing interactions because as Geraldine French said in the paper for NCCA that she referred to in her podcast, she cites Calvin Trevartan saying that the quality of the attention young children receive may be more important than the educational tools. So we'll be taking that further in the next episode. And I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning into Early Childhood Ireland's podcast. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues, and we hope you'll join us the next time. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out our website and social media channels. Bye now.